Let's get started. Psalms 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky displays his handiwork. Day after day, it speaks out, and night after night, it reveals his greatness. There's no actual speech or word, nor is his voice literally heard. Yet his voice echoes throughout the earth. Its words carry to the distant horizon. In the sky, he's pitched a tent for the sun. The bridegroom is emerging. It's like a bridegroom that emerges from his chamber, like a strong man enjoys running the course. Emerges from a distant horizon. It goes from one end of the sky to the other, and nothing can escape his heat. The law of the Lord is perfect. It preserves one's life. The rules set down by the Lord are reliable. They impart wisdom to the inexperienced. Some people have said that the Lord is not fair, but the scripture says the Lord's precepts are fair. And the purpose of God's precept is to make one joyful. The Lord commands are pure. And they give insight for life. The commands to fear the Lord are right and they endure forever. The judgments given by the Lord, they're trustworthy and absolutely just. They're a greater value than gold and great value than pure gold. They bring great delight to our soul. They're greater delight than honey and even the sweetest honey from the honeycomb. Yes, your servant finds moral guidance there and those who obey them receive, receive a rich reward. Who can know their errors? Please do not punish me for sins I'm unaware of, Lord. And moreover, keep me from committing flagrant sin. Do not allow such sins to control me. Then I will be blameless and innocent, a blatant rebellion. May our words and may our thoughts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. You're our sheltering rock. You're our sheltering rock. You're the sheltering rock. You're my redeemer. Amen. Redeemer 
God, hear my cry for help and pay attention to my prayer. From the most remote place on the earth, I call out to you in my despair. Lead me to and lead me up into an inaccessible and rocky summit. Yes. Indeed, indeed we say you are our sheltering. Yes. You're our strong yes. tower, Lord. Yes. And you bring protection against our enemy. I yes. want to be your permanent guest in your house. I find shelter.
impossible for those who believe that God is love. Nothing is impossible for those who believe that God is love. And God is love. Oh, God is love. And I won't be afraid. anybody has any issue with degenerative illnesses or where you've had an issue with degeneration in your body this is when a this is when a your body or a part of your body begins to gradually stop working anybody with degenerative uh, degenerative issue if you'll come uh, up here we want to pray over you uh, Holy Spirit wants to bring healing any degeneration if you come here, uh, the ones that come here and stand, then if you feel led to come in and lay hands on, come forward and we're going to pray. Not only does the Lord want to deal with degeneration this morning as an illness, but he wants to repair the, uh, your physical structure of your body and heal you. And as a healing touch of the Lord this morning for degenerative illness. I believe in your light, Lord, that your light exposes anything that is dark. And that, Lord, that you bring healing this morning. And I ask you, by your blood, Lord, we know that we are healed. And that you can take something that has been a progressive illness and you can turn it in out of, out of a progression of illness into a progression of healing. I ask you for this this morning, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Let your healing, 
life begin to flow right now. Jesus, let your life flow through a mortal body, Lord, to bring healing right now. Just wait on the Lord. You have a testimony that your, your body is coming back into an alignment with the way God intended for it to be. This light, let this light come on you and his light break forth in your body to restore you. Now, people would say this, well, because I've, I've aged to a certain extent, and the Lord will have you not to think like this. It's just because of your age doesn't mean that the Lord can't heal you of a degenerative illness. The Lord can heal right now, and so we don't confess illness or disease in our life. We want to stop with a confession and agree with the work of the Lord in your life. And I look unto you, Lord, I look unto you, not unto what has been said about me. I don't want to freeze the, uh, my situation into position, Lord. I want not to meditate on my illness. I want to meditate on you this morning. I want to turn my eyes to you. You're the healer, and you're touch my life right now. And the Lord would touch you and heal you. You don't have to be given over to something in your mindset. You can be healed of that now. Jesus, bring this healing right now. Let the testimony come forth, Lord, that there's a change in the natural. Let heaven come to earth right now. Yeah, some people have said, well, it's because of my genetic uh, predisposition. No, we come out of agreement with a, preter, a, a predisposition because of a genetics of your family line and the Lord that you cut off all degeneration. And I want to speak this word over your life because this is the word that, and I, and I want you to take note of this because this is the word that uh, he would give you in replacement uh, for the uh, word of degeneration. Listen to this. All right, remember this verse, Psalm 61, verse 6. And this, this word, I want you to hold this word in your heart. Listen to this word. Give the king a long life. Now you have to remember Christ in you, the hope of glory, okay? The king inside of you. Give the king, little k, the long life. Listen, make his lifetime span several generations. Why would this be prayed if it cannot be done? Your lifespan could span many generations so that you don't have to give over to degeneration. You're giving over to multi-generation in one person. So you don't have to give in to a mindset that says my generation is coming to an end because I'm degenerating. You give over to a mindset that says this, let my life be as though it were several generations. So I could be, let's say, let's think of it like this. Um, think of it like, think of it like that you could have uh, David's life and you could have Solomon's life and you could have Rehoboam's life all in one life. I'm um, thinking of it like this. Enoch 
lived 365 years and the Lord took him because he was not. So we have to change our mindset to say that I don't give over to a mindset of degeneration. I give over a mindset of multi-generation in one person. The Lord said, honor your father and mother, what? That your days will be long on the earth. So when there, where there's honor, there's multi-generation inside of one person. So you can live a fuller life is what we call it. The scripture calls it eternal life. But your life doesn't have to come to an end. It can just be getting started. And a lot of people think, well, I'm in my 60s or I'm in my 40s. or Some people even in their 20s. I haven't even got anything done. But that see is a wrong mindset. Let your life be one that is living multi-generations in one life. And that the Lord can give that to you. But you have to come out of agreement with degeneration. I don't want my generation to decrease. I want that generation of God inside of me to increase. I'm ready to see uh, fruit come out of my life. I don't want the fruit that I don't want to think about the fruit that's already come. I want more fruit and I want more land uh, for the kingdom of God. Because some of us in our mindset, we get in a mindset of, th of, of survival instead of thriving daily. And if you talk that self-talk to yourself that I'm just going downhill all the time, your words are framing your future. And you want your words to be the word of the Lord, not the word of your condition. The doctor may tell you you're degenerating, and Jesus would say, pray this prayer. Give the king a long life, make his lifetime span several generations so that you live a 12-hour day before you go to bed or a 16-hour day. Let that 16-hour day be shrunk into 16 hours. What a normal person would accomplish in a whole week, you can accomplish in four hours because you don't give over to a mindset. And this is really important because the Lord doesn't want us to go into regression. He wants us to go forward into progression, into the beauty of knowing Him. What does David say? I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than a thousand days elsewhere. What is he saying? He's saying there's a thousand other things that I could do. But I know that just being in your presence, being before you, is as it would be a thousand days doing another thing. That's three and a half years. He's saying one day is like a thousand days when I'm in your presence. You see the difference? So we don't give over to this mindset, ladies and gentlemen. We don't want to give over to this calm, this, what the Lord, in some way, you know, they were searching for this, like, um, they call it the fountain of youth, right? People have been in search of it. It's right here in the word of the Lord. What if you could get stronger from the place that you're at now? What if you didn't have to continue to get weaker? What if you really could get stronger? What if, what if, what if the condition that the doctor tells you in is not the way that Jesus sees you? What if he sees you and testifies of something of you that is completely different? And then what if, if you believe that word and, and you meditated on that word, it literally transform you from the inside out. Yeah, but the doc says this about me. The question is, what does God say about you? 
he says right here he says he says may he reign forever before God I, you don't want to be like living your life like a, chasing your tail all the time because that's what happens when you get in an endless cycle of problems. You chase your tail. But you must look up. You must look up from where your redemption comes. Listen to this word also. Um, Psalms 103. I praise the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me, I praise His holy name. I say, praise the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all His kind uh, deeds. Listen to what the word says. He is the one who forgives all our sins and he heals all our diseases who delivers your life from the pit and who crowns you with his loyal love and compassion and he satisfies your life with good things listen so your youth is renewed like an eagle's now this is the word of the Lord this is what the Word of God says. So if God's Word says this, then I can take it. So I'm going to take this Word. Stephen and I were joking this morning. He's 42, I'm 45. And I said, he doesn't look like a 42-year-old the way I envisioned 42-year-olds. And I told him, I, I don't feel like I'm 45 at all. I actually feel better than I did in my 20s. I feel the best I ever felt in my life. There's something about entering into the presence of the Lord and being before Him. It just like gives you your youth. You can have this now. All of us, we don't need to give over to. They've proven this in particle physics. If you look at the position, the problem, the predicament, the particle, if you look at it, you'll freeze it into position. But if you look away from it and you are able to look up and praise the Lord, it gives you a wave. And what is that? It allows mobility to come back to your joints. It allows strength to come back to your body. And it reinvigorates the atrophy that is happening in your muscular system. It reinvigorates your cellular system so much that your, the organs in your body can be rejuvenated. Because what? Because you did what the psalmist says. This is why this morning we say, I, you'll hear, I, I praise the Lord. It's, it's looking up to heaven and saying, my condition is, doesn't control me. My condition is not me. This isn't who I am, and I don't, I don't agree with that. I come out of agreement with it. This isn't going to be my, this isn't going to be my phone calls all during the week. This isn't going to be my mindset. I'm not going to allow this to rule and govern my life. I look up to the heaven from whence come your help. Your help comes from the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth. I don't agree with this mindset. Let this mind be in you. Let the mind of Christ be in you. He didn't count a robbery to be equal with God. He made himself of no reputation. He came in the form and likeness of man. Why? To redeem us and to call us up higher to a rock that is higher than I. This is for you right now that your youth, and my grandmother's 88 years old, and she still has youthfulness in her, but that she would say at 88 years old, you can renew my youth like an eagle. She can fly. It says it right here in the text. And if the word of the Lord says it, then we can take it. 
more than the bank. We can take it more than what the doctor says, and we can believe it. Now, I'm going to stop this, and I want to ask you to think about this. Stop confessing over your life your condition, and confess God's word over your life of what He says about you. Do that, and watch what happens to your body. It will change and transform. You know, Dad, you know, just, you know, he'll stick his dukes up, you know, uh, right? Did you, you know, I can get you, son, I, I'll fight you again, you know, right? Yeah, um, we had had we had had an event, which I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago, and the word calls out gallbladders, gallbladder thing in the room. You can go back if you need to, and and then uh, you know, Dad goes back and he finds out. He, I mean, he had literal stones, like what six or seven millimeter stones in his gallbladder, and they they ran the scan, it's gone. I mean, the Lord, the Lord, that day it just seemed like it was just so simple. It wasn't like everybody was up in the air and screaming and yelling it was just God just moved and he's moving right now you know you don't have to feel something you don't have to even know something it's just he's he moves the Lord is not into degeneration he doesn't accept it don't you accept it over your life he's into you having multi-generations inside of you this so like a youthfulness that's why you can connect to children or you can connect to senior adults because there's a multi-generation inside of you. You can connect to the middle age because there's a multi-generation inside of you that God placed inside of you. That youthfulness comes by the Spirit of God. So I'm not going, I'm not saying that we're into denial because people do this and they try to have faith in faith. So we're not denying we're saying though that while we don't deny that certain conditions exist the mode of life was meant to look up to him so while there may be truth about condition we don't deny that but what we do is we say look up we look up for everything and then the Lord comes and changes the condition it's all throughout scripture you look at uh, Abraham and Sarah she has the end it's, it's impossible for her to have a baby, right? She's barren. And you've heard me mention this many times, Romans 4.18, and Abram hoped against hope. He got his eyes off of Sarah's womb and he began to look up to the Lord. And when he did, there became a transfer of blessing into the natural realm. Sarah's womb became ready to be uh, impregnated so that she could give birth to Isaac.
I will also shake the heavens You have to look at me You have to look at me
So I just wanted to share uh, something real quick uh, that I feel like the Lord has taught me about victory over diseases since I've, you know, struggled with Lyme disease. Um, I think when we get bad diseases that start, you know, negatively affecting our lives, it's like, oh, this is, this is evil, this is from the enemy. And in, and in large part, that can be true. So we, you know, we've got to do the spiritual warfare and take authority over it because Jesus has already paid for victory over those areas. So we do that, and um, and it works. You know, even if you're not really sure how to do it the best way, like Jesus intercedes for you. You know, um, and then it's like, well, I'm not getting any better. What's the deal, God? Um, and so we've transitioned into this place where we already have the victory. Jesus declares we are champions over this disease, over, uh, you know, inflicting our bodies. Yeah, but why am I not getting any better? Well, that's, that's under the, the sovereignty of God Almighty. So this is the hard part where it's no longer the enemy has control over this disease. God has control over it because we've, we've declared it, we've given it to him. And he, in his infinite wisdom, is, is, is still allowing it for greater purposes. Um, and I had this analogy of like, it's a, you know, one day a giant just storms into your living room and he just lives there and he won't move and you can't get him out. It's like a disease invading your life, you know, and then you do the, the spiritual warfare and say, you know, you have no authority. You have to subject yourself to the authority of Christ. Um, and then he does and it works, but he's still there and he still won't leave. <laughs> but he is under this, the authority of Jesus. So we have to trust that Jesus is allowing this giant to still live in our living room. And one morning we wake up and the giant smashes our beautiful bookshelf, you know, this analogy of like this disease negatively affected my financial situation or my relationship. It's like, Jesus, what's the deal? He just smashed my bookshelf. This is unacceptable. This giant has to go. And God says, no, I'm doing something incredible in your life that requires the purification by fire. And this is how I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. By the way, that bookshelf was ugly. It should have gone. There's some things in our lives that get destroyed. We don't want them to get destroyed, but it's like Jesus is like, no, I got a way better bookshelf than that. That, that thing should have gotten out of here long ago. Um, so it's just trust. And, and you start to trust, put your hope in the Lord, like Carol's saying, and trust and depend on him so much that it's like, that giant is still in my living room, but he cannot touch a single thing in here without permission of Almighty God. He cannot break that window without permission of, of Jesus. Oh, he just broke the window. Well, I guess God gave him permission. Now I have to trust God with that. That's, that's, that's God's will. The Lord is doing something much bigger in our lives than just you know, healing us so that we can go back to, um, you know, comfort zone. He's, he's, he's purifying us by fire and it, and it should be painful. So let's allow his work and trust that every ounce of pain is an opportunity to cultivate a thousand ounces of gold, a thousand uh, pounds of, of gold and, and 
deeper faith and future joy and, uh, and peace in our lives. So it is more than worth it. It's more than worth it. In God's economy, when He does something, it is more than worth it. So we trust and depend on Him in that way and claim the victory over that. That you have victory over that giant, even though He's still in your living room. Amen. the meaning 
Got this scripture. 
because I, I think the challenge that Carol gave us earlier is a challenge of what's happening inside us. God is the most powerful. He's the only God, period, right? Is He the only power in the universe? Is God the only power in the universe? Come on, have you settled that in your heart? Is He the only power in the universe? Would Satan have any power if God didn't give it to him? Because God is the origins, right? God's our origin, right? This is yes, this is no. <laughs> this is I don't know and I don't really care, you know. Um, but you and I, as, believe, as men and women, we have to activate with God. Nothing happens if we don't activate with God. God can be the eternal power of the universe. God is the eternal power of the universe. He will always be that. But unless you and I activate on earth, it doesn't, nothing will happen for us. We can sit by and make excuses for why we're having the condition that we have. But the reality is, God has come to defeat the works of the enemy, right? Do we agree with that? And only when we agree with that do things move. So here's all of Israel, and uh, the writer of Hebrews is saying, Therefore let us fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you, myself, should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached. Now this is good news preached, or promises preached. As well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Now one thing I want to point out here before we get started on this, because sometimes the Word of God is, gets a little confusing for us, but there was not a Word of God yet for the children of Israel. Even the Torah had not been written down when they received the good news that they were being set free from Egypt and they were going to go and worship God. So the Word of God that this is talking about is not talking about the written graphe, the Bible Word of God. This is talking about the rhema Word of God. This is talking about the Word of God that comes to you in a moment. So, so it's saying here, you can hear the Word of God. That's what the children of Israel did 40 years and more in the desert. They heard the Word of God. They saw the, the fire. They, they saw the, the cloud. They saw all this stuff. But what they saw and what they heard, they did not mix with faith. Then, in other words, their heart did not come into agreement with who and what God was. And I heard that that is what, that is what Carol, I want to agree with the word that Carol was giving, was that we have to mix our heart, our faith. There is something that you have, all of us have inside of us. It's our own personal faith. And we will live in whatever faith we possess and whatever faith we allow to not only grow in us, but to let the Word of God to actually build in us. We're going to live in the life that our faith has. In fact, we are living right now where our faith is. I used to not like that statement at all because, you know, I wanted to give excuses for everything. So what does he say here? What, what, I, what do I believe is, yes, the presence of God can come in great power, and you and I can walk out of here and never be different. 
You know why? Because we can have the presence, but we don't have to agree with it. We can have the presence, but we don't have to mix, mix that experience with faith. We, 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 can, we can read the Word of God and pour over it, just like the Pharisees and the Sadducees did. And they poured over the Word of God, but when the living Word showed up in front of them, they missed Him. You and I have to have an experience with God. Now, I'm not talking about one that's not necessarily outside of God's Word. I'm just saying, you, we have to see Him for who He is and receive Him and let our heart of faith be mixed with what His Word is that's coming. And when that happens, there's a dynamite, dynamite explosion. It's called dunamis. It's called spiritual uh, power that happens. But we are the ones that have to make the choice to take our faith and mix it with what God's doing. Mix it with what the Word of God is saying. And I believe that that is really the, there is no way we're gonna fulfill the purpose that God has for this place in this region if we don't mix God's Word with faith. And whatever that looks like for you, just, just to get this Word. Jesus said, it is finished. Remember, on the cross, it is finished. What was he saying was finished? Everything. All his promises in the word are now fulfilled. All of his word of God is now fulfilled. Everything is finished. All of your sicknesses, they're finished. But if I don't take it for me, I can still have sickness. I can. I can still have demons if I want them. I can be in unforgiveness and still get them. Remember? Until we learn to forgive. I mean, that's the way it works down here. When your faith mixes with God's, then you don't hold anything against another. When your faith works with His promise, you give it up. Why? Because I know that I can give it to God and He'll take care of it. Whatever the offense has been, whatever it is that's been on our hearts, whatever we're dealing with, we can roll it over on the Christ that is within us and everything we can go free. But I really wanted to encourage you that you don't sit back and say, okay, this is some place that Carol and Stephen have to take us. No, if you don't engage, you're not mixing the word of God coming with faith. And engaging means, yes, God, I am on point. I am here now. I'm going to be a part of this. I'm going to do what God has told me to do. I'm going to release the kingdom of God into this realm. And so that's what I want to encourage you. Where is the faith in you? Can you see it? Can you feel it? Because God made the whole creation to speak of himself. But you can choose to enter in and receive it as his word, or you can choose to let it go and release it and not let it enter into you. It's your choice. Now that this be this 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 ministry will go on because God is is declaring it. Carol and Stephen and many of us here are in agreement with what God's doing. But you get to choose whether you're going to engage your faith with the word of God that's coming and let that be a dunamis power that will bring forth all kinds of miracles. We're not talking about just healing miracles. Jesus did healing miracles even in Galilee where they didn't believe in him. We're talking about miraculous creative miracles like put, putting uh, limbs, legs, arms back on people, raising people from the dead. 
the things that Jesus did that he promised we would do also if we believed in him. So I just want to encourage you, in order for that to happen, you have to mix your faith with his word that's coming and the dynamite power is released.
The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Of whom should I be afraid? When evildoers came against me to devour my flesh, my foes and my enemies stumbled and fell. Though an army deploy against me, my heart is not afraid. Though war break out against me, still I am confident. I have asked one thing from the Lord. It is what I desire, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, gazing on the beauty of the Lord and seeking Him in His temple. For He will conceal me in a shelter in the day of adversity. He will hide me under the cover of His tent. He will set me high on a rock. Then my head will be high above my enemies around me. I will offer sacrifices in His tent with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Lord, hear my voice when I call. Be gracious to me and answer me. In your behalf, my heart says, seek my face. Lord, I will seek your face. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me or abandon me. God of my salvation. Even if my mother and my father abandon me. Even if my father and mother abandon me. The Lord cares for me. Because of my adversaries, show me your way, Lord, and lead me on a level path. Do not give me over to the will of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, breathing violence. I am certain that I will see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be courageous and let your heart be strong. Wait for the Lord.
diamond and you're my jewel you're my strength and my purity you're the reason that i see Amen. Amen. We got started today. I, I, um, 
the Lord spoke to me. He said, it's going to be one of your best days ever. And you know, any time that you go deep and you stay the course, it's one of your best days ever. You know, um, <laughs> so, you know, people say, oh, that's not the condition of the room. But I tell you the truth, that when your heart believes the Lord and you push out, because he is, he is taking us into new territory, into, you know, a new environment, a new place of trust. And uh, I, I said, Lord, what's going on? He's like, well, <clears throat> you know, you have a, um, when, when he makes a call for degeneration versus regeneration, um, the place that we're stepping into is a place where the Lord, you know, puts arms and legs on people. And that requires a not knowing of what you see. It's, it's just the nature of <clears throat> when the Lord begins to work with people. And, and, you know, how it says in Isaiah 11, he will not base things on what his eyes see. <clears throat> it, takes, it takes a real transformation in the human consciousness not to, you know, visualize a feeling or, you know, visualize something you can see with your own eyes or to base something off your own hearing or auditory and for your senses not to guide you, but to be guided strictly off of the word of the Lord. And that's the kind of um, training that we are in, you know, and um, <clears throat> if you pushed out there before, and many of you have, it's like, and you declare the glory of what God's word says over and above whatever you see or hear, and if you've ever had to step into that, uh, and, and um, the, the one reason why like, I get kind of excited sometimes because I know I've learned the Lord. And that if you step into an environment like that and you keep on going on and say, and you declare the praises of the Lord and you declare victory in the midst of a complete, like you can't see or hear anything that makes sense to you. But you're saying, I believe, the, I believe you, Lord, in what you declare by your word. You're going to see a victory every time. And I've observed this actually after so many times of coming up to a new place or a new ground in the Lord. And so I want to encourage you. That's what's happening. Yeah, the exposure comes from the Lord based out of light to um, expose unbelief in the human heart. But what? For the purposes of the Lord's word prevailing over and above what we can see or think or, or, or imagine that his word prevails above everything that way. And his word is what we declare, even the word that we speak. Um, I, I would be remiss to not remind us of James chapter 2, um, <clears throat> starting in verse 19. As a number of weeks ago, the Lord said this to me, remind me of this again this morning. Um, you believe that the God is one well and good. That, that's good. Well, even the demons believe that, right? And so, um, and, and they tremble with fear. And um, so when we come before the Lord, like Isaiah said, and we tremble at the word of God, you know, we tremble. He says, those that have a contrite spirit and tremble at the word. Well, even the demons have the fear of God and the trembling uh, at his word. So it's good that we believe the Lord. But even the demons do that. They believe his word and they have like a fear of God. They tremble. And so there's this level of that already. That's the basis of, and then this is interesting what he says, but would you like evidence? Uh, yeah, I would. <laughs> right. And I think that anytime, you know, when the Lord begins to work in your life, 
and he begins to call you to something, the first thing is he wants to remove all the evidence. And so it gets a little bit with what Austin's saying and, and Steve's saying. Uh, God begins to remove the evidence of what his word has said out of your life. And you say, that's not a good way to train me. You know, if you really wanted to train me well, you'd give me evidence. Show me a sign. Give me something to go on. And the Lord's like, nope. I'm going to take out all the evidence. Sometimes you'll experience this like a withdrawal of his presence. Some, I mean, I've had that. It's like, you know what I'm talking about? You're like blank and you can't, you're like, uh, where are you at? Uh, what, what are you doing? I thought you said, you, you, didn't you say? The Lord isn't building an ever overcoming company out of providing us evidence based off what his word says uh, to start out with. He's not doing that. So you have to like get this into your, your framework until... There's a film called Ragnarok, and uh, Thor is at, the, is at the very beginning. He's got this huge demon-like figure that's holding him over like a pit. And he's cutting jokes with him like his life is completely in peril. But he's like cutting a joke like, uh, what are you going to do to me? And it's not, this thing's so big. And yeah, he's just like this little puny little thing, and he's going to throw him over in the abyss, and he's cutting a joke. I think God's kind of looking for that kind of faith inside. He was like, Oh, that's the best you got. Yeah, that's the best you got. That's the best you got. Oh, you're going to hold me over a pit? And, okay, well, it's just kind of joke. See, he wants to take the intensity out and so, put joy in our heart because it doesn't matter. You're the Lord's. You're either the Lord's or you're not. You know, and if you're the Lord's, well, if you fall into the lava, well, you're with the Lord. You know, if you, you know, he's always wanting to present Oh, he's not going to take care of you. Oh, this person said this about you. Oh, this situation in your life. And the Lord's like, I'm wanting you to be like, <laughs> whatever. Almost like you're a little bit off your rocker. You're like, that doesn't affect me. You see, but when it does, when the effect is there, because we see it and we, we pull back or shrink back, you know something's not exactly right. Well, you don't want to, po you don't want to focus on that either. You want to get your eyes lifted up. Look at him. It, it works every time. It's the one thing that I'm, I think the only reason possibly why I was even made a preacher is because uh, I was going to run through these trials and tests and it's like, oh man, you know what? That deal works right there. You know, you're not trying to manipulate, trying to control. You just throw yourself out there and you're like, ah! Be a little crazy, you know. Uh, peculiar people. And he says this in James chapter 2, 19. He says, what? You want evidence? I think the word's a little bit. You empty fellow. <laughs> Nobody likes to be called that, but. He said, what, you want evidence? What, you want something to go off of? You thought I told you to go do something and I'm going to give you everything up front? What, you wanted evidence? You empty fellow? Didn't I tell you that, doesn't he say that faith without works is useless? Hey, step out on something. The Lord tells you to do something, step out on it. Get a little, like, boldness about you. Get a little courage about you. Be a little bit, you know, that person a little crazy. Come on now. You see what I mean? 
And you do this enough times and you'll stop shrinking back. You'll be like, like I'm going to jump, man. I'm jumping again. Because you come up to the edge and, you know, I can't do that. Words like, I know that. But then he says this, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? No, wait, that's no small thing, is it? I love that boy. I waited on that boy 25 years. This isn't a small thing. I offer, he's offering up his son. And the Lord's like, doesn't seem to have a problem through his brother James here to tell everybody that this is the mechanism of God. And what the right do I have up here to preach that message if I don't live it? I have no right. I might as well go sit down. And I will gladly sit down. But I tell you, this is the truth of God's word, and you can live like this. Faith, what Steve was saying, was working together with his works, and his faith was perfected by his work. Why? Because when God calls you to do something, to pioneer something, or jump out into the unknown, he's going to bring a transformation inside of you, and in that transformation, you become more like him. And you want that transformation, because if you don't, you're going to be stuck like Chuck. Or Chuck or a chick. <laughs> it's male or female. You know, you don't want to be stuck. We get stuck, we run up to the edge. Now Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. God imputes righteousness and then imparts his nature into the one who runs out on the edge and jumps. Now we are not the kind of people that need to hedge. We're not hedge fund managers. We're not running a hedge fund. We're not trying to work out a deal. Like how much money can I make off this hedge fund? Right? No, I'm going to jump over the edge. I'm going all the way in and ah, and whatever happens, happens. Right? Now, this is the nature of a Christian. Period. It's very exposing and it's very exciting. Because who knows what the Lord will do if you'll just go and follow him. Who knows what the next thing is? Who knows? He does. But you don't know because he won't give you evidence. I implore you, and I know that many of you in here do this, but don't go back to Sinai in your mind. Go and after Zion. Go back to Zion. Advance to Zion. Advance. Go, go after him. All right, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for uh, today. Thank you for your people, Lord, that love you and are called according to your purposes. Thank you for what you're doing in this room this morning. Thank you for your victory, Lord. And bless, uh, bless this offering. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you as you give. Darkness is sweeping in like a plague. With a motive to tear down.
Well, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 10 this morning and jump into, I believe, one of the most powerful texts uh, when you get, get into this. And I, I really want to bring this out. And I've sent this out to a number of people, and so maybe you've seen some of my notes on this. But uh, when I was asking the word just now, I was like, where do you want me to go? He's like, you know, go to Hebrews 10. And so before I uh, actually read the text this morning, I'm going to pray. I thank you, Lord, this morning for your word. And I thank you for the power of your word. And I pray that your word would have a real import into our life today. Uh, I pray that you would uh, reveal yourself to each one of us. I thank you for what you're doing in this room and in our experience with you. Uh, bless your people this morning. Open up our eyes and our ears. Perceive what it is that you're saying uh, to us. In your name we pray. Amen. Hebrews chapter 10, um, starting verse 1. The law possesses a shadow of the good things to come, but they are not reality. Let's say this again. The law possesses the good things to come. Uh, the law is telling us of something future tense or something revelatory about something that is to come, a revelation into the future. But in that, it's still in the shadow dimension. But it's not actual reality. So revelation based in the law Future tense shadow dimension is not necessarily reality. So because it's not, just because, and hear this out, because this is really important to understand, because earlier on in the text in Hebrews, it's going to say something to this extent, that Moses was a servant in God's house giving revelation of that which was to come. And I, and I think many of us, we would say, wow, the prophetic ministry, what a gift. I mean, what does it take to produce a Moses to start out with? I mean, hey, 40 years as a prince of Egypt, 40 years, 40 years in Horab, 40 years in a place of darkness just to produce someone for God to produce a man that could give revelation of that which is to come. I mean, any of us ever heard false prophecy? I mean, you've seen, some of you, I've talked to you, and it's in this room. We saw, and I'm not up here to name call anybody, but we've seen, we've seen enough false prophetic about the future that is to come. We watched it a lot in our election cycles. And we said, something's motivating Something's motivating the consciousness of the prophetic voice within this nation that is given, what is it, license maybe, or some kind of conceptual base that is telling us of a prophetic revelation that is to come. And yet, saw wrongly. So many, like prophetic voices, saw wrongly. Why? And I think, I think today you'll see in a text... They're working out of a shadow dimension. A shadow dimension that, you know, you've heard me say this quite a bit, that's in the blues and the reds. Why? Because the text in Hebrews is going to juxtapose 
what it means to be a servant as Moses was, as great as a man he was who could tell of the revelation of that which is to come, and he rightly could do it, not even wrongly, was still, by God's word, called a servant. I mean, it says in Scripture that Moses was the, what kind of man? The meekest man. He wrote that too, you know, by the way. But do you think that the Holy Spirit, on the inspiration of, of the Holy Spirit, would allow Moses to write that he was the meekest man if he was not? Because all Scripture is God-breathed. What Moses said was actually, in his generation, was a fact. And so the meekest man with the greatest revelation and could see the future, he was beholding, actually, in Exodus 24, the man, Jesus Christ, at the Mount of Transfiguration, Matthew chapter 17. He was looking upon the man, Jesus, and building a tabernacle some thousands of years before out of a revelation of what was to come. And yet Moses is still called a servant. Uh, the Lord's going to have to bury Moses on, on, what is it, is it Mount Nebo? 120 years old? Three sets of 40? Moses had run his courts. He's upset. The rock that was following them in the wilderness, he didn't recognize that rock rightly. He thought that the previous, the way that, the previous understanding that he had of Jesus was going to be the same way that he was going to uh, transition God's people into the land of promise. And all of you know the story. Moses worked off of a previous revelation that was not going to assist them in a, even, even as much as he had of Christ, it was not going to assist them in the taking of the land of promise. He struck that rock. And he struck at Christ. I heard one preacher say one time, I was actually licensed unto him, that Moses was a benevolent dictator. And Moses, as godly as the man is, and I know you're listening to Moses, I don't want to mess you up, you know. But I know that he would agree. He would agree that he had let his anger, he'd let his temper get the best of him. That all he had to do was speak. He had to go from a transition in his mentality. He was, even as great as his revelation was, he, was, he didn't make the proper translation. And, and you've heard me preaching this in this ministry, that we must move out of plus negative into plus plus. We must move out of. God is calling for this in the, in the church, he, and I believe he's been saying this all along. It's always been there, but I mean, he's really putting this on us, and you're going to see this, that this shadow dimension of plus negative, what do I mean? John chapter 3, I believe it is, is that right? Verse 30. And John the Baptist would say, what? He must increase, I must what? Plus negative. That nature, that mindset is, and we're going to see it this morning, is based out of obedience or offerings and sacrifice. That is an inferior structure to the personhood of Jesus Christ. 
you know, you've heard me say, Jesus is going to say in John 17, and Steve brought this to my attention, one of the greatest revelations I've ever had, Father, glorify me so that I might give you all the glory. No, 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 Carol, you can't say that. Yes, you can, Galatians chapter, was it 2.20? Is that right? Christ, and no longer I, but Christ lives in me. Wait a minute. Christ lives in me, and then another passage, it says, and Christ in me, the hope of what? So can I say that? Can I say what Jesus said? Can I say, Father, glorify your Son so that you may receive all the glory? You can't say it if you think plus negative. You can't. You can't say it if you think according to the old system of sacrifices in the shadow dimension. And it doesn't matter how right your prophetic revelation is. I mean, I think it's even more of an indictment when your prophetic revelation is off. For instance, Moses. Excuse me, not Moses, but what I'm speaking of earlier. Prophetic revelation related to the nation. And you have people that we listen to, uh, men of God that we listen to. And yet the revelation is what? It's still based in a servile mentality. Because when you start to think like a son, you think differently than a servant. I got to tell you this. You know, and y'all have heard me say this too. The Lord said, you want affliction or affection? I'm like, affection? See, the law brings affliction. The law brings affliction because it's like this. It's like this. I believe that I am the means and the end of my reality. I believe that what needs to happen is I need to sacrifice my life. And I need to walk in a high level of obedience. And if I do that, I'll be pleased by the Father. I believe that when I go to prayer, that I can ask the Father all kinds of questions. And I can ask him for whatever because I have all these needs that are presented in my life. And listen, you can do that because the Bible tells you to. But I want to tell you something. I want to, I want to like set this deliberately, set this up. You can do that, but I'm going to tell you, you're thinking like Moses. You're thinking like a servant. Listen to what the text says. So, the law possesses a shadow of good things. Well, that's better than bad things. If you're going to make a comparison between bad and good, well, the good thing is better than the bad. But it's not actual reality. And it is completely unable. It's completely unable. Oh, man, this, this like is, can be offensive. I mean, it's offended me for a long time. I'm like, Lord, you keep telling me to take on this mode of life, and that mode of life seems in complete contradiction to the way a human should live. I'm in contradiction to everybody I know. 
They're going to think I'm... He can't live like that. Oh, yes, you can. You got to quit thinking like a servant. I called you to sonship. Yeah, but what does a son do? What does the son of a king do? What does the daughter of a king do? I don't know what to do. That's right, you don't know what to do because you got to come and hang out with me so you know what to do. I'm your father. Yeah, you don't know what to do. That's absolutely true because even Jesus says, I don't do anything except what I, my, what he's doing. I'm telling you, this thing will rip at you and pull at you. And I've been doing this for years. I, I was like, come and walk with me. I'm like, Lord, I can't come walk with you. I have to work. I got stuff I got to do, you know. I have a wife and four kids, five kids now, six kids now. <laughs> they, they need me really bad. Come and spend time with me. I don't, no, 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 no. Lord, you don't understand. You can't. We have a life like that. They call us couch potatoes. Don't, don't be a couch potato. Come and walk with me. Come and be with me and begin to get to know me so you can see what I'm doing and then you can do what I'm doing. Quit going about your life doing your own thing. It will never, it will never, it will never, it will never, it completely is unable to bring reality. You can't bring what really is real in the heavens and transform to earth without a real life before the Father. It does not work. It will always be superficial. And I don't care, and the Lord doesn't care what anybody says about that, that it is always superficiality. It is always superficial when it is based in even the good things considering the law or the shadow dimension. And I tell you, man, pride has to be just stripped out of you because you're just like, well, I can do it. I'm a pretty sharp chap. I'm pretty good looking. And... You know, and I got some money. And the Lord's like, let's just take all of that. <laughs> I want you to be, I want you to come to a place of recognizing your inability to do anything apart from me. Oh, I'm telling you, it's the best news. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're incapable and I'm incapable of any good, of anything real that is reality apart from the Father. Oh, you like this, don't you? Because I'm tired of coming year after year, year after year to get something right over and over and over and over again. I'm tired of affliction. I want affection. <laughs> I, love, I, I love what Melinda Scroggs said. She loves to be loved because she loves love. And I like Melinda a lot because I'm like, she just exudes love. It's, it's so good to be almost like a little child. It's so fun to play in the Lord's playground and receive his uh, transformed life. And then you're just like, and he does something for you that you didn't even have to do for yourself. I tell you, don't, everybody likes that if you're really truthful. No, I knuckled down and made it happen. You know, I used to tell Kara, I said, I work circles around you. She said, go ahead. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> what does that prove? I'll sit here and let you do it. <laughs> I was like, oh, God, forgive me. <laughs> that didn't work out. The braggadociousness, the, 
the vanity of the human flesh and what a human can bring to the table. Hey, if this really worked, then everybody would be pure. And listen to this. If it really worked, you'd have no more consciousness of sin. Oh, man. You know what he's saying there? Do you know what he's saying? Do you know how freeing it is not to be conscious of your sin and someone else's? Oh, Lord. Do you know? Yes, have mercy. <laughs> oh, man. To have no consciousness that I did something wrong or somebody else is doing something wrong. Because you're so filled with affection. People don't, I'm telling you, this is reality. Do you know that you can live without a consciousness of an indictment against yourself or someone else? That's what the text is saying here. The glory of this plus-plus relationship is to behold the beauty of God in someone else. And you're unaware. Like literally unaware. Because you love so much. You're calling those things which are not as though they are. You're seeing and declaring the goodness of God over a person. You're not freezing them into position and seeing everything that they do wrong. And nitpicking them half to death. All you can see is the glory of the Lord. Man, I want a hold of this so bad. I'm like, you know, I told Carrie yesterday on our way to Charlotte. I was like, I'm into this plus plus thing. And uh, you know, the Lord told me, he's like... Call her Proverbs 31 something. He tells me, she excels them all. And I say, honey, you excel them in virtue. You excel them in fitness or wellness, it says. And you excel them in nobility. And she's like, tell me more. (laughs) Oh, girl, what has happened to you? What has happened? (laughs) Is this true? Is this really true? I said, it's true. I said, I believe. I said, I'm not manipulating you. I'm not even trying to get you more fit or more noble or more virtuous. It's true. It's who you really are. The father told me that. He said, you know who you married? I said, man, I must be an upstanding guy myself. How did I get a woman like that? I told Kara this week, I said, I never loved myself so much in all my life. I've never been so happy to be me. I'm so happy to be me. I'm so glad with what God created. (laughs) I've never felt so good. (gasps) The plus plus is everything. No more self-indictment. No more self-loathing. No more, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it every day. No, I love who you made. I like my name. I like my middle name. I like my last name. I like my second. I like all the double letters. I like being called little. I like the whole thing. They called me little Carol. I like my whole self. <laughs> the plus plus is everything. Because it's real. It's actually reality. No, it's not reality. Look at you, Carol. (laughs) No, it's reality. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. I am in us, no longer I in you. But I am in you. Oh, man, get a hold of this. Like, if I could preach anything, I'm like, transmit this one, Lord. I was thinking this, telling her, I said, if I could get this to transmit, this is the one I want to transmit onto everybody. 
Bring out the white light. If you're going to expose anything, expose how much we're loved by the Father. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. We're loved by the Father. Oh, my goodness. I, I mean, he's not trying to get over on you and get something from you. He likes you. <laughs> oh man if the blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sins I can't imagine my slitting a goat's throat or a bull that did nothing wrong because of me I mean I, I don't know I thought one time uh, years ago like bringing a sheep up on the stage everybody be oh, and then just open it up and see how everybody feels because that's not a good feeling. I mean, it's like he's an innocent lamb. And something may make you cry about that. But behold the lamb of God who took away all the sins of the world. Behold that lamb. Behold him. And become. Behold him. He came into this world and he said, So what? We were in Thursday prayer meeting, and the Lord's like, so what? And I said, what are you saying, Lord? He said, sacrifice and offering. So what? I said, oh, man, that's offensive. He said, yeah, sacrifice on the left, offering on the right. He said, all the right-based people, they usually give the offering. The left-based people say, I'll lay my life down for everybody else, because one's individual, one's communal. I was like, oh, I got you. He said, so what? <laughs> I said, oh, man, so what? I'm going to say what you say. So what? Because he said it is a what. It's always a what because it's a doing. And so what? Because what's are doing. But I'm calling for something deeper. I don't want it based in your doing, your sacrifice, and your offering. Listen to what the text says. You did not desire. Well, preacher, better not say that or it won't have any offerings. <laughs> so what? <laughs> My father loves me. So what? <laughs> you know, what? The father can't take care of? So what? Now, so what? The Lord, I mean, that's between you and the Lord about that. But so what? Sacrifice. Oh, I laid my life down. I'm a noble laid my life downer. I'm the most laid down life I've ever noticed. I'm noble about laying my life down. Man, I give more offerings than anybody. I'm pretty amazing. I'll outdo you in giving. So what? So what? Because he says, that's not even what I desired. Man, this Hebrews 10. Oh, oh, I didn't even want that. Everybody's like trying to do this. I mean, the whole Christian church is like trying to arrive at plus negative, And the Lord's like, so what? I didn't want a plus negative. I didn't want a blue and red. I wanted a family. I didn't want a servant that could tell the revelation of things to come necessarily. That was a benevolent dictatorship. I was looking for promise and inheritance and to bless my sons and daughters because I love you. I have desires. You guys are living subpar. I think that's why, one reason why he's going to wipe every tear from our eyes because we're going to be there and we're like, you got to be kidding me. I could have lived like that. 
you've got to be kidding me. And I was manipulating and controlling, and I was blues and reds, and I was doing all that when I was your son. I was your daughter. I could have lived out of desire-based relationship every day. I could have been lit up but with I am in me instead of I in me. Yeah. I love this. I love this text. I love this text. I love this text. I, did y'all hear me say, I love this text, but a body you prepared for me. Oh, wait a minute. What is he after? Now, we call it the body of Christ, but I like to think you to think about you right now. A body. A body. I wasn't, I, I was wanting to say so what to you about your sacrifice that you did. And your offerings. I wanted you to know that that wasn't necessarily what I was actually after. That was a presupposition. John was a presupposition who the Lord allowed him to... Sorry, John. Sorry, John, but Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming and he's looking for a body. Jesus says this, and I, and I want you to think about this with me, but a body I prepared for you. Well, I don't want just your sacrifice and offering. I want you. <laughs> You're real. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. Ah! You know, I want a sweet communion with you every day. I wanted to just be with you and you be with me. I wanted to hang out with you. I'm God. I wanted to indwell you fully and there'd be no restriction on I am in you. I mean, he brought us here to why am I to get I am in us. Because the why question has got into everybody's mind because of the tree of knowledge of good and evil and he's tired of it. God's tired of why am I. It's old. It's 1893. This is 2021. I'm wanting to get out of why am I and into I am in you. I'm tired of I in you. It never brought us anywhere to be I in you. He never wanted this. He wanted I am in you. And what it is is like, listen to this. The, tech, the, author, the writer of Hebrews says it again. Whole burnt offerings and sin offerings you took no delight in. He's, uh, he's staging it up. He moves out of... He moves out of desire into delight. Delight. He said no light. There's no light that's going to come out of sacrifice and offering. I'm not going to be able to bring the great exposure in the end of the age and bright white the bride without a bridegroom installed. I'm not going to be able to remove spot or wrinkle because of your sacrifice and your offering. What I'm wanting is to move this thing out of desire-based relationship into delight. I think I'm starting to experience a little bit of this. It's about to flip my lid. I never knew you could love yourself so much. I'm like, I love who you created. <laughs> Spending time with the Father is amazing. Now try it. Just stop doing what you're doing. So what? Stop your sacrifice and your offerings did I, just, did I just say, I just said that. And live out of desire with the Father. Live out of a Father who delights in you. Oh, man. 
I love this. Listen to what he says in verse um, 7. Then I said, Here I am. <laughs> hey, where? Here. What, who, why, where? Where are you? Right here. Here. Here I am. Here I am. This is reality right now. I am living in us. I am. The greatest reality of the human heart is I am in you. Like you would never want to be anywhere else. Whereas I am in you, here you are, you're where you need to be. You know, you're not thinking, I wish I could be them. Because you'd be like, no, man, here I am. <laughs> I don't want to be you. You don't want to be me. Because here I am. Where? Here. I'm here right where I need to be. Because I am is in me. And he said, it's written of me. It's written of me in the scroll of your book. I believe this with all my heart. There's a scroll written on you. God wrote something out because it says in Hebrews 12, he's the author and the finisher. Uh, he's a narrator. He's not just the narrator. He wrote it. He's everything. So he wrote the book on you, the scroll on you. You want to, like, get into your scroll. You want to say, what's the scroll written on me about? Who am I? I am in you, unfolds the scroll. I've come, I've only come for one reason, to do what's written about me in the scroll. The author has already wrote your life out. What he wants you to do is get into whatever is written out about you. And I've only want one thing, watch this, I want to do your will. Now, I'm going to say, if you've ever had, if you've ever raised a, what do you call it? What did, what's that guy? Colorado Springs, Colorado, the Christian psychologist? Dobson. Raising this strong-willed child. <laughs> Anybody had to do that book? Anybody been that book? <laughs> okay, right here. <laughs> What happens, though, when the human heart says, I've only come to do one thing, your will. Not my will anymore, but yours, Lord. Like, I don't care about what, you know, I don't have to orient myself to what everybody else's will is. I only need one will to guide me his, and I've only come to do that. I've only come to do your will. I haven't come to do everybody else's will. I haven't come to do my own idea of God's will. I've only come to do his will. Oh, God. And he says this again. When he says above, sacrifice and offerings and whole burnt offerings. Now he's setting it up, man. Whole burnt offerings and sin offerings. All these songs, I, it's like I hear them all in my head and I don't want to hear them. Make me an offering. I'm like, stop! You know, I just, stop. I've come to do your will. 
It always something never sat right with me about certain things. I don't I didn't know why until I'm starting to understand why. I don't take any delight in it. You know, I didn't realize what was going on this week, but one of my children in my family was not doing what I wanted them to do. So they got a lecture all the way to the school the other day. And I said, you go and you pick yourself and you don't do what I tell you to. And it was Thursday morning. I said, I, I tell you to do something, you don't listen to me. And, uh, and then you go choose yourself and head everybody else. Sacrifice and offering, right? We go to Thursday prayer meeting, the Lord says me, so what? And I said, you can't do that in a family? <laughs> You can't live like that. That's a risk. That's a major risk. If I don't tell my kids, what are we going to do? He's like, spend quality time with them. You'll see what happens because out of desire, they want to do what's right. It's natural. It'll be more natural than it will be for you to give them all your rules. It's true. We push so many people away. We've done it to ourselves. We've done it to other people because we don't see the dignity of the person that's right in front of us and how special they really are. We start to move off of desire and what can they do or what have they not done for us or for others. We strip them down and we take the dignity out. We remove the delight. We remove the desire off of them. And you know what you get? You get robots. You get fear-based obedience. This is what the law was doing to us. It never brings reality. It doesn't bring the joy into the household. Hey, folks, it doesn't work. I'm a, I'm a man raising, with a wife raising six children. I can tell you, you hit walls. So you're like, that didn't work. That didn't work. Paying attention to that sin, that problem, that didn't work. What do you do? Desire and delight. You can't know this until you live it in yourself. I have come to do your will. The will will naturally, now people say, no, it won't. Yes, it will. It will naturally take place in the human heart when we are delighted in and desired. They'll just run roughshod over me. Well, maybe they will, but they won't do it for long. It'll get them because they'll see the tenderness in you and you'll woo them more into Wanting to do what's right, then you will ever do it by demanding obedience and sacrifice. It's a byproduct of Sinai. Zion is a good place to live. It's a good place to hang out. It's a place of of joy and gladness and hope. Listen to the text here. He goes on, he says, he does away with the first. God has wanted... In the display of the cross to always do away with this first concept. Is it a concept? Is it a way that people live? Yes. Have I lived that way most of my life? Yes. You guys, I I shared this with Carol yesterday. You have to be honest with yourself. Don't say, well, you know, you've lived like that, therefore it makes it okay. No, it doesn't. You gotta be real about this. You got to set, you got to say this standard is wrong. Because it says in the text here, he does away with the first. To establish the second. The Lord wants to do with this, away with this. Actually, in Jesus, he already has. 
In Christ, this has already been done away with. Many in the church, like Galatians 3, are going back to the law to get their life out of the law and live like that. And he said, you're foolish for doing that. You're living in a way that is not commensurate with what I've already purchased for you and took care of everything for you. I tell you, this, is the, this to me, requires the greatest faith. Because real, it's either reality and real or it's a concept. But if this text that I'm preaching to you this morning becomes more than a concept to you or an emotion, and you take it serious, it will transform you and the world that you're living in and the people that are around you. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus has prayed for this because it says in verse 10, By his will I have made holy through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. How does this work? Well, it works every day. It's the X, Y, Z, T into the D. What do I mean? It's, it's out of time of space. It's outside of space time. It's into a fifth dimension and a multidimensional reality. God intervenes outside of our time, into our time. Transfiguration AD. I rise up and I worship him. I say, rise up, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered. Let everything be set aside that doesn't give honor and glory to you. How do I do this? And I say, oh, Lord, you're amazing. I worship you. I glorify you. And the Lord's like, you know what? I'm going to take care of what you can't take care of for yourself. He says, uh, Moses, return, oh, Lord. Even, even Moses had this. I preached it three weeks ago. Moses had this. Return, oh, Lord, and bring back, bring an inheritance into the earth that I can't do myself. The Lord said, I want to bring an inheritance to you. I want to just give it to you. I've already paid for everything. This is why we worship and praise the Lord. We set first the covenant of God for it for, forward. We say, God, I trust you and I, I want to come to do your will. That's covenant, folks. And when you say, I want whatever your will is, that's the greatest movement of covenant. And it's in that place. When you are fully engaged into the Father's will, that you can literally say, rise up, O Lord. Do you know why so many people struggle with this? It's because there's a covenantal violation. There's a lack of integrity. There's a lack in their self of giving up their whole will to Him. But it's when you say, my will, not my will be done, but yours. You know what? This morning we had three sections come to us. You know what happens? Mary said this. Let's all stand together. Mary says this. Listen to the Holy Spirit. She said, be it according to your will. Be it done according to your will. You know what she did? She opened herself up right there. It's what Steve was talking about. She says, I'm letting you come in and invest yourself in me. She stretched out her arms. She says, have your way. I want your will, Father. I don't want my will. I'll let you, let you, let you have your way with me. I'm tired of living like a servant. I want to be a son. I don't want to be a servant in the house, declaring the revelation of that which is to come. I want to be like you, a son over the house. I want to be a daughter over the house. I don't want to be... I don't want to be more efficient. I want to be dignified. 
pride yourself in your efficiency. It's pride. Don't pride yourself because you can get to point A or to point B faster than someone else can. Don't do that. Don't lose the dignity that God is wanting to invest in you based in royalty. Son and daughter of the Lord. my whole commitment to you, Lord. I unfurl myself so that the dove, Psalm 68, can just come and light down on me. I don't want to reject you, Holy Spirit. I just want to say that my whole self is yours. I want to taste desire. If you've never been desired, it's painful. But if you've ever tasted someone that desires you, it feels so good man to be delighted in day in and day out every day every night I'm delighted in I'm a son I'm a daughter of the king oh this desire and delight it fuels the human heart and out of the fuel of the human heart you express forth the will of the father because now you begin to behold him and you begin to see what he's doing and then you do whatever he's doing because you're becoming like him this light shine Lord let this city be set on a hill shine forth this light I want this exposure man you want this exposure I want this exposure of light it's the light that brings forth the light of the world he's the light no more servant son and daughter it's going to have to be a reprioritization of what I do every day. I might have to reprioritize my time a little bit. I want to behold you, Lord. I want to know you, Father. I want to become like you. I want to do only what I see you doing. I want to be here because that's where you are. I want to be here because I am is in me. No longer discontent because here I am, because that's where I need to be. I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. Here I am, I've come to do your will. What is your will, Lord? I need to behold you. I need a, I need a transfiguration. I'm tired of my limitation. If we all were truthful in here, none of us likes limitation. And God doesn't either. God's not into negative, negative, or plus negative. He sent his own son to bring us into the plus, plus. Receive the engrafted word. Receive the engrafted word that will bring freedom to your soul. Receive the light of God and let this light be in you. The light that shines out of heaven onto you even now. Let your mind be opened up to this light. It's not just merely a sound, but it's a light. Deeper, 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 Lord. Until we're fused with you, Lord. say this morning come forward and eat my flesh and drink my blood let's, let's, uh, let's do that together
grace on the sunrise as mercy waits from the north I can feel his wind and through his goodness I'm whole again took the bread and he broke it and he said this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me and he took the cup and he said this is the blood of the new covenant which is poured out for you in remembrance of me. Hey, do this with me. Raise your hands to the Lord. I give you praise, Lord. I bring you honor. Oh, you're the magnificent one. And I say I love you. I love you, Father. Change! Be changed! 